He looked up from the report when she came down the corridor, a tall, slender, blonde woman hesitating outside the gate. Mrs. Bowles? He said. Yes. Please, sit down. She looked very grave. Straight blonde hair, dark eyes, solemn. Someone's trying to kill me, she said. Yeah, he said and nodded. She had called not a half hour earlier, and now she was telling him how she'd been waiting on the subway platform when a man pushed her onto the tracks. This was a little more than two weeks ago, and then yesterday he'd tried to run her over with an automobile. The same man. This was all news to Corella. So he listened now while Emma told him that she'd gone out for a little walk and suddenly this gray car climbed the sidewalk, chasing her. The same man was driving the car, she said. The one who pushed me off the platform, and I know who he is. Corella looked at her. He used to drive my husband. Martin is a stockbroker. A car picks him up in the morning and takes him home again at night. You're sure this is the same man? You didn't recognize him when he shoved you off that subway platform. No, I didn't make the connection, but yesterday he was in a car. And it rang a bell. Good, Corella said. What's his name? Martin Bowles was in his late thirties with the solid build of someone who worked out regularly. To him, New Year's Eve was an occasion. Tonight, he looked spectacularly elegant. I've hired a private detective, he said. She was fastening a pearl earring to her ear. She almost dropped it. A private detective? What for? To get to the bottom of this, he said. She looked at him. He had to be kidding. The bottom of this was Roger Turner Tilly, the man who used to drive him to and from work. Once the police found him, the police don't seem to be doing anything about this, he said. A man pushes you off a subway platform, and the same man... Well, yes, she said, but I know who he is. I told you it was Tilly. The thing is, I don't want to wait for a third attempt. I've hired a private detective, a man named Andrew Darrow. Supposed to be excellent. That's very sweet of you, darling, really, she said and turned to him, but you look beautiful, he said. She was wearing a shimmering white gown. Her long blonde hair was piled on top of her head. Thank you. But, Martin, what would this man do? I mean, stay with you, protect you, try to get to the bottom of this? I don't want anything to happen to you. I love you too much. I love you, too. He'll be starting next week, Bowles said. Case closed. He took her in his arms and offered her his lips. Kiss, he said. At his father's funeral last July, there were no uncles or aunts. There were a handful of cousins, all of them expressing condolences. Behind their sad countenances, there lurked the unspoken thought that if such a thing could happen to a cop's father... On New Year's Day this year, there were no pastries baked by Tony Carella. Tony Carella had been gunned down in his shop on the night of July 17th. Carella's mother was still in mourning. This was not a joyous Tuesday. Only the immediate family was here today. The feast seemed somehow paltry. His mother was a blunt, plain-spoken woman. I want to come to the trial, she said. This was after the midday meal. The family was sitting at the dining room table. His mother, dressed in black, Corella and his sister sitting side by side. 
Teddy Carella sat beside her mother-in-law. She was knitting sweaters for the new twins in the family, Cynthia and Melinda, Angela's daughters, born 11 days after their grandfather's murder. His brother-in-law, Tommy, was conspicuously absent today. Louise was waiting for an answer. She saw her son's eyes click with her daughter's. Teddy was watching Corella's lips. I don't think that's such a good idea, he said. Why not? I want them to know he had a wife. I want the jury to know that. They'll know that anyway, Mom. Teddy's eyes flashed from lips to lips, reading the words on them. She had been born deaf and had never uttered a word in her life. Mom, Angela said, Steve's right. There's going to be stuff you won't want to hear. I want to hear it all. I want them to know I'm there listening to it all, especially that Sfachim who killed him. Bringing Teddy more completely into the conversation, signing as he spoke, Corella said, Mom, I've testified in cases where the victim's spouse was present, and I can tell you it's not an easy thing to live through. He's right, Mom, Angela said. They'll be showing pictures, Mom. I saw what he looked like. The pictures can't be any worse. Mom, that was a long time ago. It was yesterday, Louise said. It'll always be yesterday until I can look that bastard straight in the eye. Carella had already looked that bastard straight in the eye, had rammed the muzzle of his service revolver into the hollow of Sonny Cole's throat. He had not squeezed the trigger. Now, seeing the look in his mother's eyes, he wondered if he'd been right. I'm coming to the trial, she said. What time next Monday? Nine o'clock, Carella said. The criminal courts building, downtown. Even though Henry Lowell had received his law degree from Harvard, gossip maintained that he'd once gone to Oxford University. Since starting work at the district attorney's office three years ago, he'd racked up 26 convictions as opposed to a sole acquittal. He had never tried a murder case. Lowell stood with Corella just inside the criminal courts building downtown. It was ten minutes to nine on Monday morning, the seventh day of January. This morning the trial would begin in earnest. Corella again wondered why Lowell sported a British accent. He also wondered how the accent would sit with a jury. You heard plenty of exotic accents in the city, but hardly any of them were British. Lowell looked up at the clock. It's time we went upstairs, he said. I hope your mother hasn't got lost. Corella looked up the corridor. He saw her coming toward them now, dressed in black. Her dark eyes looked moist. He wondered if she'd been crying. Mom, he said, putting his arm around her. I'm fine, she said and lifted her chin. Together they went upstairs, the son and the wife of the victim and the man who would present their case to a jury. In the second-floor courtroom, twelve men and women would seek justice. Corella prayed they would find it. Up close, Emma Bowles was even prettier than in the photograph her husband had shown him. It's just that... <laughs> well, a, a bodyguard would embarrass me. Mrs. Bowles, he said, your husband hired me to do a job, and I'd like to try doing it. She was thinking he seemed pretty confident of himself. Tall, slender, blonde man, not the sort of man she had expected at all. What exactly does he want you to do, she asked. Two things, Andrew said. First, he wants me to protect you. He also wants me to find out 
who's trying to kill you. How much is he paying you for this? I'm charging your husband what I'd charge him in Chicago. Thirty-five an hour plus expenses. What's Chicago got to do with any of this? That's where I'm licensed to operate. You must be good. I am, he said and smiled. She said nothing for several moments. She was wondering if perhaps he might be able to help, after all. Well, she said and hesitated, I suppose we can give it a try. Fat Ollie Weeks kept shaking his head. Not because he'd found a dead man hanging from an asbestos-covered pipe in the basement, but because he could hear a song called Fuck the Police. Ollie hated black people, even more than he hated Jews. He did not wonder what a white man was doing all the way up here because he knew that a lot of goddamn white fools came up here to get their crack thrills and went back home in body bags. Ollie Weeks was a terrible bigot, but he happened to be a good cop. He phoned in the shit and sat back to wait. By 6.30 that Monday night, his patience was running out. Ollie was here in this fucking basement, Monaghan and Monroe from Homicide, just coming down the steps and still no fucking medical examiner. Ollie pulled a face. Where's the fucking M.E., huh? I called this shit in an hour ago. Busy night tonight, Monaghan said. Just then, the M.E. came down the steps. Where the fuck have you been? Ollie asked. The M.E. looked up at the hanging man. Somebody get him a ladder, Monaghan said. The corpse was twisting overhead. The blues finally came back with a tall ladder. Take him down, the M.E. said. I'll examine him down here. The two blues went up the ladder. One of them hoisted the body a bit while the other one loosened the rope from the pipe.